word today, Matthew 5, 4. If you've got your Bibles, get them open. Matthew 5, 4. You remember from last week, the book doesn't, open, doesn't work, closed. book's got to be open. The power's in the book being open, right? Not closed. Get the book open. Blessed are those who mourn, for they will be comforted. How many needs comforted? How many needs real comfort, not false comfort? Now, again, we read these. Last week we read, blessed are the poor. Yay. I'm right on board with that one, right? Now we're on blessed to those who mourn. Well, this is just getting better and better. Blessed to the who are poor. Remember, it's not poor financially. It's not poor physically. There's no blessing in that. It's poor spiritually, recognizing how much we are in need of God, recognizing our great need. You know, once I realize I have a need, then I can start looking to fulfill that need, looking to find the hole that fills that need. Blessed are those who are poor in spirit. But today, blessed are those who mourn. What what does that mean? Does that mean blessed are those who feel bad? No, it's not those who mourn physically. It's not those who mourn financially. It's who mourns spiritually. Not mourning, mourning from a circumstance or an accident or some disaster that you're facing. That's not the type of mourning that we're talking about. We're talking about spiritually mourning. We've got to remember Jesus is teaching the Son of God and His ways are higher than our ways. So immediately when He speaks, we've got to, we've got to recognize He's on a whole nother playing field than, than we're on. So we need to listen and we need to learn. Amen? So 2 Corinthians chapter 7, verse 10, look what this says here. Godly sorrow. What does that mean? Spiritually mourning. What does it bring? It brings repentance that leads to salvation and leaves no regret. It leaves you lacking nothing. Godly sorrow, spiritual mourning. So we need to learn this morning about spiritually mourning. You know what spiritually mourning will do? It shows us right here. Spiritually mourning will move you. It will cause you to move. So much so that you will change. You know how hard it is to change a man? You know how hard it is to change a woman? I can't do it. Man, I've tried too. You can't, you can't hardly move somebody. We're stubborn. That old, that old saying, can't teach an old dog new tricks, is not a lie. It's the truth. We are very hard to change. We don't like change. Nobody likes change. When you are one who does not spiritually mourn, when you are one who, ha- who does not have godly sorrow, when you are one of those, do you know what? You ain't moving. You're not going to move. You can't be moved. And you won't change. Now, let me ask you a question. And I want you to be honest with yourself. You don't have to answer this out loud to anybody. But do you remember when you cared? Do you remember when you really cared? 
Have you ever come to a point where you've just said, you know what, I really just don't care anymore? Do you remember when your bad habits bothered you? Do you remember when you hated your sins? Do you remember when you cared about your marriage? Do you remember when you cared about your friendships? Do you remember when you were first saved and on fire for God? Do you remember? Church, if you will let, if you will let this happen today, God will, will, will jumpstart your heart. You know what we need? We need those little suction cups put on our body, and we need a spiritual EKG. We need to have a, and I wanted to do this to have some doop, doop, and show that our hearts were flatlined. So many of us in so many areas don't care. We have given up care. You know what's happened? Our heart's gotten hard. Now maybe our heart's soft in certain areas. Maybe our heart's pretty good in a couple areas, but in other areas it has gotten so hard there will be no penetration to that heart. No matter what. And I want you to ask, I want you to ask yourself this question. Is my heart hard? And I want you to ask the Holy Spirit. And do it right now. Holy Spirit, is my heart hard? Now either you mean business and you're in here to really change for God or you're playing a game. Results up to you. Is your heart hard? Ephesians chapter 4 verse 18 says, They are darkened in their understanding and separated from the life of God because of the ignorance that is in them due to the hardening of their heart. Now I want you to catch this. Let's leave this scripture up. When your heart is hard, you cannot understand. It says, because of the ignorance that is in them, in us, right? To those that have a hardened heart. And you know what this is saying? It's not saying you're dumb. You're not dumb. You were created by God with the mind of Christ. God is ready and willing to equip you to do everything that you need to be able to do and do it successfully. But you're ignorant because of your hard heart. You're not dumb because of the Creator. You're not dumb because you're a second-rate person. You're, dumb, you're ignorant because your heart's gotten hard. How many of you know people that are ignorant because they're stubborn? They won't even hear what you have to say. They don't care what you have to say. They've already got their mind set. You know what that is? That's a hard heart. Now the light bulb needs to go on today. Do you have a hard heart? And look what else it says. Because due to the hardening of their heart, they're separated from the life of God. Now, did Jesus come to give life? He said in John 10, 10, I have come so that they might have life, but have it more abundantly. He has come so that he can identify our hearts and the condition of our heart because the reason we're not living an abundant life is because of the condition of our heart. We're separated from the life of God because of the hardening of our heart. Now, can you hear Jesus teaching you this morning? Blessed are those who mourn, for they will be comforted. Turn with me if you've got your Bibles with you. 
Matthew 13, just a few chapters over. If you were in Matthew 5, turn to Matthew 13. Verse 14 and 15, thank you for bringing your Bibles. There's power in the Word of God. And that's one thing you can take home with you and chew on and meditate on and continue to to eat on. In them is fulfilled the prophecy of Isaiah. You You will be ever hearing but never understanding. You will be ever seeing but never perceiving. For this people's heart has become calloused. Do you know what calloused means? Tough. I got calluses on my fingers from playing guitar. They're tough. They don't hurt anymore when I play guitar. Before when I played guitar, they hurt. Now that I've got calluses, they don't hurt. Why do we harden our heart? So it won't hurt. So nobody can hurt me anymore. That's why we callous our heart, is to protect ourselves. The Lord says, you can't protect yourself, I'll protect you. But you got to soften your heart. I'll be the protector. You can't harden your heart enough to protect yourself. You can't do it. Lean not on your own understanding. Lean not on your own understanding. When we harden our heart, we lean on our understanding. And our understanding is, I'm not going to let you do that to me anymore. For the people's heart have become calloused. They hardly hear with their ears. They have closed their eyes. Otherwise, they might see with their eyes, hear with their ears, understand with their hearts, and turn, and I will heal them. So what does this scripture here, Matthew 13, 14, and 15, tell us about a hard heart? Number one, it tells us that we may hear, go back to verse 14, the beginning of 14, that we may hear, but never understand. Teachers that I've got in here today, how many kids do you have that sit under you that hear, but it doesn't go into their understanding? Sunday school teachers, how many of you can you see that people here are hearing, are sitting there, and their ears are working, but they're not understanding? You'll see, but never perceiving. So we're going to see and not perceive. We can't hear. Let's go on to the next scripture. They're not hearing because of their hard heart. And this goes one more step farther about our eyes. Seeing but not perceiving. But that's not exactly what it's saying now. They've closed their eyes. Their eyes are fully functional. They will work, but they've closed them. You know what a hard heart is? It's an area in your heart that you have closed. And let me tell you just for a minute, man, have I done this. Have you ever closed your heart? you ever closed your heart in marriage? Have you ever closed your heart in relationship? Have you ever closed your heart to God? Have you ever closed your heart to your job? Man, it's easy to do. It's the easy thing to do. I'm just going to go through the motions, get through my day, and tomorrow we'll, we'll face it again. But you're not getting my heart. Reverse, reverse. Everybody clap your hands. Thank you. I knew y'all would get that. What does it say next scripture? Otherwise, otherwise what? If their heart's not hard. 
you'll see. You'll hear. And you'll understand. And you know when you hear and you see and your heart's soft, what are you going to do? You will change. We keep going through the motions hoping for different results. You remember the definition of that? Insanity. Doing the same thing and expecting a different result. But if you'll soften your heart, you'll see, you'll hear, you'll change. And then the biggie, God will heal you. God will heal you. Somebody say amen. Healing will come. Blessed are those who care. Blessed are those who are moved or movable. Blessed are those who mourn. And you know, this heart can only come by grace. And how do we get grace? We go back to uh, beatitude number one, blessed are the poor. How do, we, how do we recognize that we're poor? We've got to humble ourselves. God gives grace to the humble. We've got to humble ourselves. Do you know humility is the root through which all other graces flow? Why? Because God gives grace to the humble. Humility is the mark of a great person. Humility is the mark of a great person. I heard uh, a well-known, how do I even categorize this guy, Ravi Zacharias, Bible teacher, intellectual, extremely smart man, and he made that point. Humility is the mark of a great person. Do you remember when you cared about your marriage, your wife? What men are we supposed to do? We're supposed to love our wife. We're supposed to protect her. We're supposed to look out for her. What about you ladies with your husbands? You're supposed to adore them and care for them and support them and encourage them. Do you remember when you cared? Things you care about, you give effort to, you give time to, you study, you work at it. You know, things that you've never done before and you have to study and learn, do you know it takes effort? And it's what, what, what teachers are trying to do is break you from what you've been doing. My youngest child is now taking piano and she's playing uh, Jingle Bells or some Christmas song. And the problem is she's heard it before. So she knows how it should sound. Well, if you know anything about piano lessons, they will make it in ways that is not what you're used to. So she's playing away and playing it the way that we all know it. And I'm like, wait a minute, that's not how it's wrote. This teacher is trying to break you out of what you know to be able to understand the way it's all put together. Now, once you've got that, go back to the way you know it. That's fine. That's good. I agree with what you hear. But we've got to learn what the teacher is teaching us. We've got to learn what the teacher is teaching us. Things we care about, we work at. Do you remember when you cared about the responsibilities that you have or your talents? Let's look at the parable of the talent real quick. Now, if you're still in Matthew, turn to Matthew 25, verse 18. 
Now, if you remember, the two that went before him were given talents, were given more talents, were given two and five, and they went to work with theirs. Remember, they put them to work. The two put put it to work and made four. The five put his to work and made ten. The one took his, and what did he do? Let's look. But he who had received one went and dug it, dug it in the ground and hid his Lord's money or talent, depending on what uh, translation you're reading. Verse 19, after a long time, the Lord of those servants came to settle accounts with them. Now, here comes, here comes the master back to say, okay, let's take account of what you've been doing. What have you been doing since I've been gone? I gave you these resources to go put to work. I gave you a job. Now, what did you do? The first two come back and say, I've doubled. I've, I've doubled it. And God blessed them right? Then it comes to this one again. We go to verse 24. Then he who had received the one talent came and said, Lord, I knew you to be a hard man, reaping where you have not sown and gathering where you have not scattered seed. Now let's not move yet. I knew you to be a hard man. He doesn't know, he doesn't know the master. He thinks he knows him. How many of us walk through our life thinking we know what's right, but we were on the wrong page? But we think we know what's right. You know what that's called? It's called a worldview. You've gotten hung up by, by your circumstances, by your upbringing, by your parents, by your spouse, by the media, by TV, by peer pressure, by whatever. And you've gotten programmed to believe a false doctrine. A false teaching. And he's saying, I know you, Lord, and I know you to be hard. How many of us would say, I know? I've told y'all this story so many times at Express Loop. Somebody I trained for the very first time, his first day working. I'm walking him through the steps to to how to wipe off a car. And every response, after every step, he said, dude, I know. Like, okay, then we go to this step and wipe the windows. Dude, I know. Go to the next step, wipe the back of the car. Dude, I know. I finally said, dude, you don't know. Shut up. I didn't say shut up. I might have. Who knows? (laughs) But if you knew, I wouldn't be teaching you. You don't know. Be quiet. I don't know. I think think a word that we could have for God today is, dude, I don't know. I have tried this so many times, and dude, I thought I knew. But dude, you know what? God will hear you. God understands dude. I don't know. I don't know. I knew you to be a hard man, reaping where you've not sown and gathering where you've not scattered seed. Verse 25. And I was afraid, and I went and hid your talent in the ground. Look, there you have what is yours. But the Lord answered him and said, You wicked and lazy servant, you knew that I reap where I've not sown, you gather where I've not scattered seed. You ought to have deposited my money with bankers, and at my coming I would receive back my own with interest. Therefore, take the talent from him and give it to the one who has ten talents. For to everyone who has, more will be given, and he will have an abundance. But for him who does not have, even what he has will be taken away. And the cast, and cast the unprofitable servant into the outer darkness and there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. Now, number one, the guy misunderstood. Number two, he didn't do anything. He went and buried it, and who knows what he did the rest of the time? Nothing. 
He buried his talent. What do we bury? We, we bury our marriage. We bury our careers. We bury our jobs. We bury our relationships. We bury our church. We bury all these things and then ask God to bless it. I'm going to harden my heart right here, Lord, but I want you to bless it anyway. The Lord says, no, you don't know me. If you'll show me any effort whatsoever, I will help you through it. Amen. Does this sound like this number one guy, this, this third guy, has a hard heart? Genesis chapter 25, verse 29. I want you to look at this. Jacob cooked a stew, and Esau came in from the field, and he was weary. And Esau said to Jacob, please feed me with the same red stew, for I am weary. Therefore, his name will be called Edom. Next verse. But Jacob said, sell me your birthright as of this day. And Esau said, look, I'm about to die. So what is this birthright to me? Then Jacob said, swear to me of this day. So he swore to him, and he sold him his birthright to Jacob. And Jacob and Esau, and Jacob gave Esau bread and stew of lentils, and he ate and drank and arose, and he went away. Thus Esau despised his birthright. His God-given gift he despised. Esau despised his responsibility. You know there was responsibility of a firstborn? Heavy responsibility on the firstborn. And he despised it and gave it up for a pot of soup. I'm telling you, church, people are giving up marriages for a pot of soup. Walking away from the church, walking away from relationships, and sometimes it's easier to walk away than to work through it. I want you to know later in the the New Testament, God says he despised, God despised Esau. despises that heart. I believe that we are living at a time where we are copping out from responsibility. He despised responsibility. God despised him. Has God blessed you with talents, with abilities, with finances, with children, with jobs, with marriages? I want you to ask yourself this. Have I buried some of them? I want you to ask yourself this. Do I no longer care? Blessed are those whose heart is soft, who care, who mourn, who can't be moved. We protect ourselves from being hurt, from feeling anything that moves us to change. And I want you to know, I believe it is the work of the enemy. The enemy would be just fine with you staying right where you are. You know, when Jesus was moved, do you know what moved him? Compassion. Compassion. He moved in his heart. The needy came to him and he was moved. The hurting came to him and he was moved. He had a soft and tender heart. Do you know what compassion is? Compassion is pity, it's sympathy, it's empathy, it's care, it's concern, it's sensitivity. It's warmth, love, tenderness. It's mercy. Listen to me. It's leniency. It's tolerance. It's kindness. Jesus was moved. Godly sorrow leads to repentance. 
Do you want to know why you won't repent? It's because your heart's hard. Your heart's hard. Godly sorrow leads to repentance. And do you know what repentance leads us to? It leads us to deliverance. It leads us to breakthrough. Do you remember the scripture we just read? It leads us to salvation. Pastor, I was saved when I was five years old. I'm not talking about that kind of salvation. It does lead to that salvation. But how many of you need saved from something today? Repentance leads to salvation. Do you know what the message that John the Baptist preached? Repent. Do you know why? Because you'll move. You'll move. You'll change. Repentance leads you to change. You know what the message Jesus taught? Repent. It's the hardest message to get the church to receive. Why? Because I think we get, I think we get hard hearts spiritually. I think we get hard hearts religiously. I think a religious spirit tries to sneak in and tell us we got it all together. And we're better than the other place. You know what? That's a lie. You know something? You know, let me, let me, I, I felt this was such a, a tender thing that the Lord showed me this week. When Jesus ministered, he didn't, he didn't talk to the people about how bad their sin was. He didn't tell them, man, you stink. I can't believe you. How dare you come and talk to me? What are you going through? Man, that's awful. I don't think I would have told anybody that. The woman at the well. It wasn't until after he had ministered to her that they started talking about her life. And he just said, you know, are you married? You know, what's going on? Well, no, I'm not married right now. She didn't tell the whole story, did she? You know, you've been married four times. The one you're with isn't your husband. How's that going for you? But nowhere does Jesus ever make us feel guilty for our sin. What does he do when, he, when we come to him? He forgives us. And he points us in the right way. I want you to know if you've come in here under the weight of sin, I want you to know God is ready to forgive you completely. And not, make you, not beat you down because of it. He's not going to beat you down. He's going to raise you up. You are his prize. You are his precious creation. Anybody ever told you you're precious? I want you to know the Lord would say you are precious. You are beautiful. I want to ask you a question. I'm getting close to being done. Do you have a hard heart? Ask the Lord today. Do you have a hard heart? And you know how to find out? Just ask God. Do you know he'll tell you? You know, I am such a quirky, weird person. I've just got, I just got hang-ups. We've all got hang-ups, right? And one of mine is time. So I've got a watch that never has to be wound, never has to have a battery, 
never has to be set. It's always right. What good is a clock that doesn't keep time? Uh, paperweight, garbage. Yeah. So I've got this clock, and if y'all were here Wednesday night, it, was, it had the wrong time. So I hit the receive button, and it wouldn't receive. And I'm looking at it, and I'm thinking, you know what? Everything in here, it's made to work right, but it's not. It's not connecting. This was this morning. I spent between Sunday, the Sunday school hour standing out. If anybody was driving up to church and saw me standing out in the yard, this is what I was doing. I'm moving around because I need my clock to work. Tammy didn't have her phone, couldn't tell time. She kept asking me what time is it. I'm like, by George, she will know what time it is by the time worship starts. We will know what time it is. (laughs) And I'm ready to throw it away. So I think, wait a minute, where's the instructions? Didn't have them. Tried to look them up online. I found the instructions, took the battery out, hit the reset button, walked around and held my finger the right way and put a new battery in it by George, it worked. It's right, to to the millisecond. But do you know this is us? We're made perfectly to completely connect and to know the next step in our life. But the problem is we think we're connected and we're putting out a signal that says something that's close. It was off by a minute and a half. And you know what? For the most part, I believed it until I started looking. I'm like, that's not right. But it was, it was almost right. And that's the way we're walking around. We look about right. We go to life group and we feel about right. Hey, he seems to be okay. Wait a minute. Something's off with him right there. I can, I can smell it. You get close enough to somebody, you'll recognize they're off. And that's why we get a hard heart. We won't let you people get close enough because you know what? They'll finally figure out you're playing a game. You're not connected. You need a new battery. You need somebody to press the reset button. You need the Holy Spirit to get a hold of you. Man, you're so close. You're holding right on this edge. But we can't press through. You know what the Lord says? Your heart's hard. You've gotten stuck and you won't move. How do you move? Soften your heart again. Are you risking? Yes, you're risking your heart. You know what the word says? Guard your heart with all diligence, but don't harden it. You guard it. Let me tell you, in my life, in my marriage, in my walk, in my my walk with my kids, I guard my heart. But I can't harden it. Because if I harden it, I won't move. So what do we have to do? What can be the application today? If we've got a hard heart, you know what we need to do? We need to renew our mind. Romans 12, 2 says, Don't conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you will be able to test and approve what God's good will is. Pleasing. What God's will is, it is His... You'll be able to test and approve what God's will is, His good, pleasing, and perfect will. We need a renewal of the mind. And can I encourage you? 
God does the heart surgery, not you. Our part begins with humility. Blessed are the poor in spirit. Blessed are those who mourn. Ezekiel chapter 36 verse uh, 26 and 27 says, I will give you a new heart and put a new spirit in you. I will remove from you your heart of stone and give you a heart of flesh. I will put my spirit in you and move you to follow my decrees and be careful to keep my laws. Whose responsibility is it? It's God's. But we have to yield. We have to soften our hearts. We have to let the spirit come in. We've got to recognize our poor and we're poor in spirit. I'm going to close today with Revelation chapter 2 verse 1. Now this is a word that came to one of the churches. I want you to listen to me now. Don't check out on me. We're going to close. To the angel of the church in Ephesus write, These are the words of him who holds the seven stars in his right hand and walks among the seven golden lampstands. I know your deeds and your hard work and your perseverance. I know that you cannot tolerate wicked people and that you have tested those who claim to be apostles but are not and have found them false. You've persevered and endured hardships in my name for you have not grown weary. Yet I hold this against you. You have forsaken the love you had at first. Consider how far you've fallen. Leave that up there, Mikey. I'm not done yet. I believe the Lord is saying today, consider where your heart is. Would you be a big enough person to be able to just consider that maybe you've shut down in some areas. What does it say to do? Repent and do the things you did at first. I want you to think about your marriage and when you were dating your wife, when you were dating your husband, and what kind of effort you put into that relationship. In your first year of marriage, what kind of effort you put into that relationship? Think about when you were first saved and how you read your Bible and how you sought after the Lord and how you were excited. Think about the relationships of your best friend and how good that friendship was. Unfortunately, we just think about the bad things that happened and we don't think at all about the good things. And I am, I, am, I am with you, church. I have taken for granted my marriage. I've taken for granted my job. I've taken for granted my church. I've taken for granted my relationships. I have done this myself. And I want you to know that God is a rescuer. And he's a deliverer. And he can restore that relationship. If God can raise you from the dead, he can raise a dead marriage. If you do not repent, I will come to you and remove your lampstand from its place. Whoever has ears to hear.
let them hear what the Spirit is saying. I want to encourage you. You don't have to prepare yourself. You don't have to get yourself right. You don't have to try to do all these things on your own to clean yourself up to come to the Lord. You come to the Lord just like you are. Because I want you to know no effort of your own can clean up your sin. No effort of your own can clean up your sin. No effort. There is nothing that you can do to effectively clean up your sin. So where does that leave us? That leaves us completely like we are. You know when it's right to come to the Lord? Right now. It's right, right now. Will you all stand up with me? Right now during this time of ministry, you know, we've, we've heard, and I'm going to pray over you, but I've, we've got a testimony this morning that I want you to hear. I want you to know that God is still a healer. And what are you believing for today? Now, before we pray for you today, I'm going to ask you to do one thing. Search your heart and repent. It is Jesus' teaching. And after we've repented, let's ask God to be faithful to his word and to heal us. Amen? Ms. Sharon, will you come up? Elizabeth, can I have your microphone? Come on up here with me if you don't mind, Ms. Sharon. They're standing up and they're not going to see you if you don't come up here with me. summer, a very dear friend of mine went in for some major surgery for a problem and some concerns that there might be some other issues, and there were, and she was diagnosed with a very rare, incurable, as they told her, cancer. Um, She was just recovering from that major surgery, so they told her that they would have to wait a few months and go back in for further surgery and what she has could not be treated like with chemo injections or pills pills that what they had to do was what they call a chemo wash and as I understand that in layman terms it's like it sounds they go into her body and do a wash inside her body Um, and that it was slow growing so they could wait a few months to do that uh, procedure so she's at home recovering from that right now After that first surgery, I felt she has a church home, she's a Christian, but I felt led to ask her to come to church with me one Sunday, and I said, I'll come get you if you'll come with me, and she said, you know, I feel led to come to your church with you today, too, so it was confirmed in many ways that I won't get into. She came, and we prayed that day, and she came up for healing, and uh, she couldn't wait to come back. She's at home recovering. She had her surgery the other day. And she writes and says, please share this with your church. I attended your church this past June and was prayed for and anointed with oil for healing from a cancer diagnosis. I received my healing that day. 
God is so good and faithful to his word. I'm recovering from a second surgery and am very thankful and grateful to report that this surgery did not reveal any signs at all of cancer. And she says, thank you, Church on the Hill, for being a part of God's healing for me. That cancer was not incurable for God. That's right. Amen. Thank you. Now, are you believing for anything bigger than that? If it is bigger than that, God's bigger than what you're believing for. What are you believing for? If you don't mind, just bow your heads with me. What are you believing for? I want to ask you the question again. Let's go back to the source. How is my heart? Just encourage you to pray with me just for a moment. Father, in Jesus' name, change my heart. But Lord, as I change my heart and I risk everything, Lord, protect my heart. Lord, you are in no way trying to set me out to get hurt. But Lord, you're trying to set me out to get healed. I'm living under a lie, Lord, and I identify the hardness of my heart. And Lord, I just make myself available to your heart surgery. Create in me a new heart and renew a steadfast spirit in me. Father, we come before you today and just ask for repentance of our sin. Repentance of our thoughts and our actions. Forgive us. Church, I can't pray that for you. Pray that prayer now, a prayer of repentance. It's the preaching of John the Baptist. It's the preaching of Jesus Christ that we would repent. Now, after you've done that, it's time to ask the Lord for our healing. We have a great need. What do you need prayer for? Do you know Jesus? Have you received Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior? If you haven't, I want you to step out and come down to this altar and let us pray with you. If you have a prayer need this morning and you need prayer for any reason, finances, job, whatever, health, whatever, family, marriage, whatever, God can raise the dead. He can heal you from cancer. He can heal your marriage. He can heal your relationships. He can heal your job issue. Step out. We've come clean before the Lord. Now we come up this mountain what with clean hands and a pure heart. And we come to ask we're in need. We come to a throne of mercy and grace. Step out here. Those that are ministering with me, y'all come on down. I'm just going to open the altar and we're just going to minister for just a moment. While the, while the altar is open, Miss Christie has a, a, a brief testimony also. But come on down. If you have a prayer need, you come on as Miss Christie ministers.